even though, yes, I, I saw myself at the 2000 Olympics. And then it's like, well, 2000 didn't happen. What about 2004? It's, it's you, there's a shift that has to happen where you're like, okay, this might not be your thing. So what's next? We're gonna go out on the field. We're gonna score as many goals as we can. We're gonna have fun. Oh, Becky, well placed. Discipline and resilience. They're powerful words. Wake up and get it done, take on whatever the day will bring sort of words. Especially as athletes, you know, we think about the meaning of them in the sense of doing the extra reps and watching film and foam rolling, facing a loss or an injury and coming back healthier and hungrier and smarter. Discipline and resilience did come to mean all those really specific things for LaShawn G. But that's not how they originally took their place and gained their significance in her life. Discipline and resilience. At first, they were a matter of survival. In the womb, as a twin, being severely hidden and squished by her brother. The doctor said that, told my mom this story, that I had one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. <laughs> That's kind of hard to ingest. Even, you know, at my age now, it's like, why would he tell you that? You know, <laughs> like, that's morbid. But it was the truth. And I think ever since then, I've been fighting. Ever since then, I have been, I've been persevering and pressing. And there is a reason why I am here and I am definitely not in a space to to keep that from others because you know god obviously kept me here for a a reason that's supposed to be impactful discipline and resilience were necessary in the people who raised her my twin and i were adopted into our family we were adopted into our family before we were one so my mom and dad already had two of their own children um my brother and sister are seven and eight years older than us. So they were kids by the time we were born, you know, pretty self-sufficient. You know how to turn on the TV, you know how to wash, you know, how to go to the bathroom on your own. Um, so when my mom got the word that there were these twins that needed, you know, a home, um, this is the situation. Um, what do you think? Um, she had she had fostered two a set of brothers previous to us that were closer to my brother and sister's age so they were foster parents to those two brothers but then they got into other homes so when we came along she said to me she said sean i saw you guys i heard the story i saw you guys and immediately i said those babies are mine those are my babies and I don't know all the flack that she was given. I don't know all of the, you know, if there were naysayers, if there were people like, are you crazy? Um, but what I do know is that regardless to all of that, my mom and my dad made a really big sacrifice. I mean, it's one thing to adopt 
one baby and go through that process and what that all looks like back in the 80s. It's another thing to take two who were super preemies, super low birth weight, needed all the TLC in the world. I mean, we were a pound and a pound and a half when we were born. I was a pound. My brother was a pound and a half. We were two months premature. Like we needed all the love. And to know that my mom was disciplined enough in her mind, my dad was disciplined enough in his mind to say, you know what, we're going to take this on uh, and, and we're going to do this and we're going to be good. And the mindset that, they, that both of them had, had to have back then to say, you know, we're going to do this, we can do this, and these babies are going to grow and be great. That origin story shaped LaShawn, though she probably didn't really know how or what that was going to look like as a kid, just being a kid, climbing trees, and running around with the other kids in Dinwiddie, Virginia. Then, LaShawn was nudged into something that would become a love of her life, and she was shown, once again, what discipline and resilience could do. Track and field came into my life because <laughs> I like to say uh, tongue-in-cheek peer pressure. It was just peer pressure. Um, but my friends saw that I was a great athlete at you know field day and different sporting events where we participated during PE. And they all convinced me that I should join the track team with them. This is eighth grade, so mid nineties and early, early mid nineties. And so, you know, at first I was like, I'm not going to run a track. I'm not, you know, I didn't think that I was that person. And that was the first moment that I can recollect that someone else saw greatness in me that I wasn't recognizing. I just saw it as, well, this is just me. I'm just, okay, yeah, I won this or I did that. So I decided, okay, I'll come out to this team and I'm, you know, I'm not promising anyone anything. But then it just, that that's kind of where the story begins. You know, my coach saw something in me. I started to see something in me. Well, many listeners know a bit about this song and dance. You establish a routine with your sport, your group of friends in your sport, and of course, your identity. I was the athlete, and that's how I grew up. I was just the athlete, and my family knew what I did, but I don't think they were as engrossed in it as I was. Mm. And it just became the thing that, you know, when people are stuck on, when, when young kids are stuck on oh, I want to get a job and I want to get a new car and I want to make money. I was like, no, I have a track meet this weekend. I have practice to, you know, today after school. That was me. And I guess my reward for that, for, for training and competing and, and doing well in academics and athletics was, you know, I got to, uh, you know, get all of the, the cute, shoes and spikes and got my nails done and I started being known for that and it just kind of spiraled into into something that became tunnel vision for me and that team that I 
cultivate, I, I was in that we cultivated at our school in that period of time, early 90s to late 90s, um, we really blossomed as a team together and created something special for our town, for our hometown. And, and you know, wherever we went, it was Dinwiddie Track and Field. Dinwiddie Track and Field. Oh, you ran, you run track for Dinwiddie. That's how we were known. And, you know, everything goes in waves. So we had that peak during that time when I was there. And I don't think there's ever been that team cohesiveness that it was when I was there. I don't think it's been like that since then. Mm -hmm. And we, as that team, we cherish that big time. I wanted to dig in more to this piece right here of LaShawn's athlete experience. Her and her teammates did something no one in their spot had done before. They made history, they set a standard, they created a legacy. What they accomplished is forever memorialized and referenced, and it's going to be thought about by them and those in the community even for years and years. It's a fine line to walk when you have these sort of glory days and it's time to move on. Because they can bog you down, have you yearning and bargaining maybe even a bit stuck in the past. But they also are such a beautiful marker and a reminder that the best things in life aren't things at all. Creating with my team what we created, we always have those memories to go back to. We, I mean, and those, they never die, you know? They, I'm sure you could walk back into the gym. I'm sure you could walk back into the gym and there's some sort of banner like that that you were a part of, or I don't know, just- Yes, I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of accolades and, you know, they have the big, you know, uh, what are they, cabinets of, of awards and things like that. When you can go back and you can see a picture that you took with your team and you know, wow, I was a part of this era, that is something to be proud of. LaShawn really left her mark as a high school athlete in a way that wasn't just straight up results on the track. And that's something she attributes to staying true to who she is, being authentic. There's discipline and resilience even in that. When I was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018, that was something that, you know, someone nominated me who wasn't originally at our school. It was somebody who learned, you know, as he was coaching the team, he learned about the past and he saw something in me that said she gets to be recognized. And that was a huge honor, huge honor for me. Didn't see it coming and was very, very grateful. But again, I can take even that experience and I was able to share that with former teammates, you know, and say, and, and, and them celebrate me and be happy for me. And we get to, you know, share stories around just how it all began. That's the stuff that matters to me. That's the stuff that sticks. And when you're high school Hall of Fame caliber, there's a pretty good chance you have sights set on the next level. LaShawn wanted to run in college and she had great people around her to help make that happen. Um, my high school coach, John Keeler is one of the most influential people in my life. He cared so much. He was so passionate about his team and he did anything he could for us 
to see us be great, to make sure that we were exposed, to make sure that we had the best. I mean, from uniforms to getting us to meet, you know, he made a way, you know, whoever he talked to, whoever he influenced, he made a way. And I will be forever grateful for that. Um, one of my teammates um, who was three years ahead of me, we got to compete together in high school. I was in eighth grade. He was a junior. My ninth grade year, he was a senior. He was recruit. He was a jumper and a hurdler. That was someone I looked up to. He's like a brother to me. Um, he was recruited and recruited to go and he went to North Carolina. He went to Chapel Hill and it was like, you know, where I, yes, I admired and was inspired by women, plenty of women, but this person was like the male version of me, mm. the work ethic, the, the, the comedy, the dedication, the drive, the discipline. This person was the male version of me and I looked up to him. And when he went away, you know, it was like, that's where I'm going to school. Or when he was starting to be recruited. So my eighth grade year, basically, I knew. I knew, oh, I'm going to Chapel Hill. That's where I'm going. I mean, I had the gear. I researched academics. I researched athletics. What do I want to do when I get there? I mean, I used to dream about it. And when he went away, he would come back and he would just, he would teach us things and, you know, get, you know, we would do workouts with him. And it was just, ingrained in me so I knew I was that confident that I was like I don't know how it's gonna happen but I'm going to Chapel Hill mm -hmm. and I just kept doing the work I kept doing the work and in retrospect could I have done even more probably yeah but at 14 to 18 it's like what are you really thinking about you know you really thinking about your work ethic and you know and so uh for my good work, I, I like to say, for my good work and for my co my coach's dedication to seeing his athletes grow. And if they wanted something, he did all he could to expose us. So he would take us to meets. You know, we, we, we drove down to, to Chapel Hill for a couple of meets. I got to compete in what is the old, what was the tin can. It's no longer there anymore. It's the Eddie Smith Fieldhouse. Um, I got to compete in, in that atmosphere. And when I started to be recruited myself, you know, to hear that there was interest, it's like, oh, oh, okay, well, I guess I have to show up. And I just, I just continued to be dedicated. I continued to work for what I wanted. LaShawn stepped forth on a new path, an unpaved path once again of a different kind. I was the first person to go to a uh, four-year uh, college university in my family. And so not really having that uh, direction from them as to, you know, what recruiting looked like, what, you know, going on visits looked like. I, I had that from my coach and he, you know, informed my parents on what all of that looked like. And they were just on board. We want the best for her. And that's what she wants. Let's go. She headed on to the University of North Carolina as an All-American long jumper and hurdler. Just to matriculate through that school with the teammates that I had, the friends that I made, it was a, it was a replica of what I got in high school. 
And so, and you don't always get that, you know, you, sometimes you're not as comfortable. Sometimes you don't click like you thought you would, you know, with your incoming class, with, with the junior transfers, because all of that, all of that matters. And the fact that we did best time, best time ever, uh, definitely had some setbacks. Um, really, as soon as I got there, um, I injured myself Christmas break of my freshman year. And my track career was very up and down. But the experience there, you know, I will hold on to forever. And I, I still did some really good things there. Still did some really good things there. <laughs> Do you feel the butt coming? But there's always this little bitty like, oh, I could have done, I could have done, you know. And I think as an athlete, that transition out of college, still having that feeling, it, I think a lot of people experience it and they don't know what to do with it. And I learned in various ways that even though, yes, I, I saw myself at the 2000 Olympics and then it's like, well, 2000 didn't happen. What about 2004? You, you, there's a shift that has to happen where you're like, okay, this might not be your thing. So what's next? And you get that realization that, you know what, it, whether you train and whether you do this or whether you decide to go into adult life, like true adulting, and it's not about the sports anymore, um, you're going to be okay. But that's a hard shift for a lot of people. A lot of people, um, male athletes, female athletes, it's a big shift that happens. And some people recover just like that when they know that once I graduate, once I cross that stage, that's it. And I'm good. There's some people who cross that stage and they're like, but I think there's more. And there's some people who, you know, you, when you're looking at the NBA, the WNBA, NFL, pro sports, where it's an even smaller bucket that those people, they shine and they, they, they go above and beyond because they know this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And that's their tunnel vision. But for those of us who are in that middle ground where it's like, Hey, it could go either way. It seems like it might be this basic thing, but it can be so difficult to know where you truly stand as an athlete because it takes being really, really wildly honest with yourself, like saying, okay, this isn't my thing. I'm not going to go pro. I'm not going to go to the next level after you've dedicated like 15, 20 years to it. That's uncomfortable. And it's also not something people with an athlete mindset have been trained to gauge or find because you have this idea of I can be good enough if I just work harder or if I sacrifice more. These people can do it and I'm competitive so I can do it. I can get to that level. It's just a huge challenge to know what our limit is, what's an appropriate sacrifice, what are our priorities outside of sports. And a lot of times for female athletes who deal with all other kinds of noise and expectations around, okay, it's not realistic to play sports anymore, sacrifices and limits and priorities, it can all be even murkier. We have so many uh, layers, right? I want to start a family. Um, what, what will my partner think? What, you know, 
how is this going to contribute to my life, my, my household and my lifestyle? And is this the right move? I think for women um, and knowing that disparity when it comes to women pro athletes and men pro athletes, um, there's a big gap there and there's still a lot of conversation that, that gets to happen, but it's, it's a shift um, with life after sports mm-hmm. and for everything that I gained from being at UNC, there's a lot of shifting that still got to happen after that made me say, okay, this isn't really what's happening for me. So what's next? After graduating, LaShawn was working jobs and moving on. She was coming to terms with no 2004 Olympics or Olympics after that. But her progress in finding peace after sport and finding what she was really meant to do for a career, it wasn't always linear. There were setbacks and causes for reevaluating where to go. It can be a shock to a lot of people because of how, maybe how we were raised. You just, if I, if I do this, this, and this, then this, this, and this will happen. Mm-hmm. And I think the The longer we live, the more years that go by, you notice, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, maybe there was a point in time where it was easy to, you know, you just do this internship during the summertime and then you stay with them and you get a job, you'll have a job by the time you graduate to the late 2000s where it was like, whoa, recession, timeout, everything stops. And, and, And maybe that hit people, some people harder than it hit others by that time. 2000, you're talking 2007, 2008, I was coaching um, at a college. I had just gotten let go. That was a whole ordeal that I, that slapped me in the face out of left field. Um, I had just gotten married and it's like, well, what now? What, what happens? Uh, and you just kind of make it work. You, you do what you can to make it work, but that's not what you expect when you graduate, when you graduate, it's like, but I have this degree, but I'm doing these things. I think I had just started grad. I had just started grad school in 2007 and it was, it, I mean, life happened, you know, life happens. But through the twists and turns, she was able to return to those pillars discipline and resilience. They've always guided her and grounded her. They lay within her and they were modeled to her. And they got her to this point in life. Do, do you crumble? Do you, you know, ball up? No, because guess what? Life is gonna happen again if, in five years. Just, just wait, just keep living. And I think learning these, these discipline skills, learning these discipline strategies of just learning to work well, learning to live well, learning to surrender uh, are so important because life does happen. And because it happens differently for all of us, these strategies will get you ready no matter what season you're in mm-hmm. and no matter what depth of, of trial or accolade you're in you know you could be in a season of a season of just true preparedness 100% preparedness everything is falling the way it needs to fall but what happens when you've lived that portion of life 
but then life happens in a way that you weren't expecting, how do you recover from that? Who's teaching what happens next? Who's teaching, hey, this is going to happen. You know, as long as you keep living, you're going to have your ebbs and flows. And this is how you continue to discipline yourself to, to know that you are resilient. You still can make things happen no matter the storm that you're in. Mm-hmm. And the, the, there's discipline in surrendering. There's discipline in, you know, loving that period of time anyway. There's discipline in trusting the process and trusting that, that the story that God wrote for you before you were even born is your perfect story. And none of us know what that is, but we just have to keep living and keep trusting the process and being grateful for it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we build our strength. We build our resilience. We build um, our, our own closer personal relationship. Uh, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm going to, you know, w- when I speak, I speak and infuse that into conversation because it's what I believe. Um, I don't put it on anyone else, but I have experience enough to know, hey, listen, this is, this is where I am. Uh, it's very important for, for my female athletes to understand the value, the power that they hold when they discipline themselves. Mm-hmm. And that comes in so many different facets. So when I teach, you know, my discipline therapy, it's not just this cookie cutter, you know, it's not just this cookie cutter recipe because it's different for every individual. You get to learn how to discipline your day the way you need to in the season you're in with your power, not my power, not your power, but your, your individual power. Um, and I think there's growth in that. I think there's power in that. And, and, and that's something that we can all own for ourselves. So she had the belief in this principle and practice of discipline and resilience, and she had the experience to show for it. And she saw there was something she was really pretty great at, coaching. LaShawn has been a high school coach, college coach, private coach, and trainer, helping athletes and clients meet a range of goals. But the thing that pulled me in and made me say, you know what, I really like this, is when I would have conversations with them and they would get these aha moments of clarity around how they saw themselves uh, in their fitness program, how they saw themselves as to their relationship with food, how they saw themselves uh, with their time management. I was helping people shift their mindsets on how they saw themselves in the different situations that they were in. LaShawn had the ability to connect to people through coaching. She had the content she wanted to impart. And she had, just like when she was a preemie baby, just like when she was running, amazing people in her corner to push her and love her and make her want to achieve greatness. One person in particular, who LaShawn calls a superhero, stands out. My father is no longer with us. He passed away in 2001. Um, He had leukemia. It was very quick onset. He... Um, was only with us a couple of months after he was diagnosed. Um, My mom, through all of these years, has just been the most 
strong, powerful, again, resilient woman, um, faithful woman that I have ever known. And I tell her every day, like, you know you're a superhero, right? I'm just letting you know that. Uh, and, and some of that may have seeped into me, so I'm just letting you know. <laughs> if, if and when things blow up for me, it's because of you. And I think, yes, it took a while for me to have this all culminate into something that I am now owning, embracing, and actually sharing with the world. Um, it, it stemmed from her. It totally stemmed from her. And she helps me get my light bulb moments. Even when times, you know, when you're a teenager and you're not really listening, but you're listening, she's always had me have my light bulb moments. And I'm so grateful and appreciative of, of, of her for that. I think that that's where my, that's where my strength, my, uh, my own aha moment comes from when it's like, yeah, if she can say the things that she says to me and, and pull me out of my stuff and I have this same gift, who am I to not share it? Who am I to not put it out there and, and empower these other women who could potentially go through the same thing that I've gone through? I mean, my mom has gone, no one would have ever thought my mom would be there for me in, a, in the middle of a separation, in the middle of a divorce. You know, I, I said earlier, I, I was married. Um, I was married for a total of, you know, nine and a half years, separated for two and a half of those years. But I mean, she was there, you know, and she was always there, even when I didn't want to listen to her, even in, in times where I didn't see myself on the other side of things, she saw it. And she constantly poured into me. Whenever I reached out to her, she was always there. Even today in 2020, always there. Um, and that's where, I, that's where I pull my power from and my strength. Strong, disciplined, change maker LaShawn embraced what she was good at and found her why. She became a mindset coach and started up her business, LG Discipline Solutions. Where do you see yourself and your brand in five years, ideally? You know, I always say I am going to be a world-renowned speaker to female athletes, to teams, uh, encouraging, and I always say slinging encouragement. Um, and slinging this discipline, these disciplined strategies. But I do see myself impacting teams, impacting young girls, um, college age girls to prepare them to navigate uh, life in academics, athletics and life after sports, um, helping them to gather the tools they need to, to work well and live well. Uh, I, see my, I see my brand being the go-to for the discipline and wellness of our female student athletes. To learn more about the services she offers, visit thelg.com. That's the E-L-L-E-G-E-E.com. Thank you to LaShawn G for coming on the podcast. And thank you for listening. Hope to see you next time.